Hey, y'all. Hi. What up? Good. So uh, we're going to be back in Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles, Ephesians 4. Uh, just a reminder, last night, we talked about God is holy. God's truth. God is truth. And, and for us, we think, oh, no, my truth. Right? But your truth ends with you. It dies with you. But God's truth lives on through eternity. And God's truth in you continues to transform not only you, but other people. But what we learned this morning is, but there's a problem. The, but we're sinful, separated. Wages of sin is death. We left you this morning with bad news. And I want to let you know this, that that was hard for me. I wanted to resolve it for you. I wanted to fix it. I wanted to not have you feel sad. I wanted to fix it all, but I needed you to sit in it. The Bible, all throughout the scriptures, it wants you to sit in that reality that God is holy and we are sinful and we cannot earn anything. We cannot do anything to get salvation. Isaiah says this, all of our good deeds are as filthy rags before a holy God. We have nothing to offer. And so we're like, well, what do we do? Like, that's not good news. And so we look to Good Friday and we see this morning, this, this moment where, where Jesus is on the cross wearing the sins of you and me, of humanity, past, present, and future. Sin demands a life, a sacrifice. Nothing that you and I could pay for. Nothing that we could do. And so we're in this spot of like, what do we do? Paul knows this very well. And remember, Paul's a pastor. He's not just some guy or some character. In a, he's a pastor. He has pastored this church, church for two years. He loves them so deeply. He shared the good news of Jesus Christ, that God is who he says he is, and God will do what he says he do, and they're now a community of believers together. And so he's desperately trying to awaken them to real truth. That's what he's doing tonight with all of us. This is what he's been doing all the way since yesterday. He's trying to awaken us. So in Ephesians 4, 20 through 24, that's where we're gonna be. He's once again kind of moving on through this reality. And what we learned about sin this morning is that sin darkens the hearts and then there's a callousness that comes in. And as a result of what sin does, a callousness leads to the, this lascivious life where we just do what we want to do and we don't even care anymore. And then he, he, he continues on in the idea. So here's what I want you to do. I want you for yourself to read Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. Just read it on your own and maybe the spirit of God, I believe he will, will speak to you even before I get to. So why don't you do that? Take some time. Ephesians 4, 20 through 24 is where we're going to be today. Again, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand and somebody will bring you one. Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. 
Father God, you see these students reading your word. I know your spirit is speaking. Pray that they would hear. Pray that they would listen. Pray that they would learn and lean in to what you're doing in their hearts and their lives right now. Guide this conversation. Guide this moment as we walk through your scriptures tonight for your glory and your honor. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, everybody said amen. So I'm sitting in the hospital, like I told you this morning, at the oncologist's office. And he says, you have cancer. And I realize that I can do nothing to solve this. Meaning, there's nothing I can do. I can't make cancer magically go away. It didn't work with my son when he was eight years old, diagnosed with leukemia, three and a half years of the most painful thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. He did survive, praise be to God. And I couldn't rescue him. And so here I sit just, what do I do? So I walk out of this doctor's office going like, God, what is going on? You ever been in a moment like that? Like what is happening? What, what is happening here? What is going on? And that journey for me for three and a half weeks while I'm waiting for the results and the results are basically determining this. The doctor says it's one of two things. You're gonna be dead in about three months or you get bloodletted for the rest of your life and you'll take chemotherapy for the rest of your life. So I'm caught. I'm dead in three months or I have to live with this disease for the rest of my life. And I realized something, it exposed something in me. I realized that I had been doing stuff all on my own for my whole life. I realized how very often, if ever, I had ever asked God for help because when my mom left at 12, guess what I did? I just went, I got this. I'll figure this out, the oldest in the home, oldest kid in the home. I'll figure this out, I got this. And I took the I got this attitude to everything in my life. And here's what I had to learn in the three and a half weeks as I leading up to finding the final result of this huge blood test that I had to hit. I don't got it and I need help. I'm in a bad way and I can do nothing about it. I can't rescue myself, I can't save myself. I need help, I need saving. So I prayed to God, Father, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. I believed in God my whole life, but I needed help and I couldn't solve the problem on my own. God, help me. December 31st, 2019, right before we head into a pandemic, I sit in the oncologist's office in the chair and he sits down with me and he sits down with my wife and I and he's like, look, and he goes, I don't know how to tell you this, but all of your levels are completely normal. He goes, we don't use language like healed, but 
And I was like, yo, I know what's going on. <laughs> I know what happened. I know I've been rescued. I stand before you today, not because of anything I've done, because I'm, I've been given life. Life to be here with you. God said, no, you're not done yet. And only he can do that. Only he can rescue. Only he can ransom. But when it comes to sin, there's nothing we can do. We can't save ourselves. We're in the same condition. That's where it says, but the wages of sin is what? It's death. It's death. What do you do then? Oh, there's a conjunction. Do you know what the conjunction does? It goes, it bridges two ideas. There's really bad news. It's really, really bad news. But guess what? Have hope. But the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's not finished. You're not finished. I'm not finished. But we needed God and God interceded and he saw us and he loves us and he cares about us and he rescued us. We couldn't do it on our own without that conjunction. You're left with death. Without Jesus's life, his death and his resurrection, we have no hope. No hope, that, 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 that conjunction changed everything. It's changing the whole story. It's waking us up. It's like Paul's going like, can't you see that Jesus changed everything? He didn't leave you here on this side of the conjunction. He, he did this and this took his life. He laid it down for you and I, that but equals hope. It's like this, I failed my test. Anybody ever been there? Oh man, right? Such a bummer. But teacher's grading on a curve. Ah, <laughs> passed, right? Isn't that great news, right? You thought it was bad news. You thought you failed, but good news is on the way. Teacher is grading on a curve. That's amazing, right? I was in a head-on collision. Oh, it's bad. Anybody been in a car accident? Head-on collision. So bad, but I came out without a scratch. Like, isn't that amazing? All of a sudden, it, it just changed it completely. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I was diagnosed with cancer, but God miraculously healed me. I'm a sinner, condemned to death, but Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washes me white as snow. Can't you see it's changed? Jesus just changed everything and it's not because of anything that you have done. That's what Ephesians was telling us. Remember how, how horrible it was this morning that, we, that, that Paul was teaching us in Ephesians 2? In Ephesians 2, he was like, you were dead in your trespasses. There's the dead word again. Dead in your trespasses, in, sin, in your sins, in which you were once walking, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in the work of the sons of disobedience. Look, Satan has been guiding your life, leading you, and you've been following after him. Uh -huh. Among all who once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and who were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's bad news. But 
God. But God, let me tell you about this God. But God, he didn't abandon you. Let me tell you about God. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love. I want you to know this real quick before we move on. God loves you. You are loved. You matter to him. It's his great love for you that allows for us to experience this truth that Paul is trying to unpack for us. You matter. You're not just something to be thrown away. You're not on the other side of the conjunction. No, there's real hope and real life and real mercy and real grace and real love. Even when you were dead in your trespasses, made alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated with us with him in the heavenly places places of Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us who in Christ Jesus for by grace you have been saved through faith and it is not your doing it is a gift of god not a result of work, so none of you can boast. Here's what it's saying. You did nothing. You were on the other side of the conjunction. You were in the death stuff. You were in the dead in your trespasses stuff. You had nothing to offer God, but, but God. But God because he's so loving. But God because he's so kind. But God because he's so merciful. But God because he knit you together in your mother's womb and he loves you and he sees you and he knows you and he cares about you. But God rescued you. Through his son Jesus, offering you all free grace, not because of anything you've done, because he loves you, because that's who God is. He's a giver of good gifts. I love this moment on Good Friday. Jesus is hanging on the cross. Please understand the situation. Jesus has been flogged with a cat of nine tails which is a device that would latch onto the, sh the skin and as you pulled it away, it would pull away the flesh. Historians say that you could see Jesus' spine, his ribs, which is why he couldn't carry the cross, which is why he asks for help, because he's just tormented. He's got a thorn, had a, a crown of thorns on his head these thorns are four inches, and they're, they're into his skull. He's bleeding, and he is walking down the Via Della Rosa, and then they nail him to a cross, the most painful of all deaths, to hang there, humiliated like, like a criminal. And then he's got these two criminals. They deserve to be there on either side of him. This moment on Good Friday marks me the one is mocking him. <laughs> if you're so great, do something. If you're God, rescue yourself. You can do nothing. And then there's this other guy. I think he's a lot like you and me. I believe he is. And he goes, oh, hold on, hold on. This guy's done nothing. And then he says something audacious to Jesus. He wants to be rescued by Jesus. Hey, I want to be in heaven with you. If I was Jesus, and thank goodness I'm not, I'm like, no, bro, sorry. You had your shot. 
right? You could have lived a good life. Oh, so now in the last minute of your lives, your life, you're not gonna toss one up. No, I'm sorry you had your shot. Isn't that how we live our lives? No, 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 you had your shot. You deserve everything that's coming to you. You've been a thief, you've been robbing people. Your whole life has been about you. No, you're gonna die a criminal's death because that's what you deserve. But is that what Jesus said? No, in his pain, he says, you'll be in paradise with me. Isn't this crazy? Think about this. This guy gets to receive the free gift of God, salvation. Check this out. And he doesn't get to prove anything. He doesn't get to go run through the streets and go, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. He rescued me. He doesn't get to go evangelize. He doesn't, he just dies. He dies and receives the free gift that Jesus gives to him because that's what God does. That's the kind of love he has. It's like the prodigal returning home. He's going, Father, I've sinned against heaven and earth. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a slave. He's rehearsing this as he's walking home, having squandered all the father's wealth, having in front of the entire community said, I want my dad dead so I get mine. He's walking back home. He comes to the father And he starts in on his repentance and the father just moves past it. Welcome home. Go, go, go put his place back in this home. Let's throw a party for my, my son was lost, but now he's found. He's home. That's the way he receives you. When you confess with your mouth, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness because he's a good God. And that's what a good God does. You know, a while back, I got a phone call from a lady and she said, hey, you know my mom's a bad woman and she's about to die. Now I have been working with this lady trying to help her see Jesus and she just called me pastor. She goes, oh no, she calls me preacher. Okay, preacher. All right, preacher. So she says, okay, preacher. I need you to come over to my house, preacher. My mom's gonna die. She's lived a really hard life. So I go over to this trailer park. I pull up in my car. And I walk into this home and I cannot even describe to you the smell. And I walk in the home and this woman is emaciated on the couch. Cancer has ripped apart her body. You, you, you just see bones. She's laying on the couch. She's breathing really heavy. And I've been around long enough to know this woman's gonna die. And so I sat, I leaned down to the couch. She's laying on the couch, all wrapped up, her family's around. The whole place is filled with smoke. And I said, I want you to know Jesus loves you. She goes, oh, no, he doesn't love me. I'm getting what I deserve. This woman had been selling meth her whole life. She ran a prostitution ring in Phoenix, Arizona. No, 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 I'm getting what, God's finally getting me. He's gonna, that's why he's, he brought this disease on me to kill me for all the sin I've done. So now he can take me. He can take me. I'm going to that bad place. I'm going to that bad place, preacher man. And I said to her, I said, I don't, I don't know the God you're talking about. Oh yeah, you know that God. He's gonna get us for our sins. I don't understand that God you're talking about. Let me tell you about the God I know. The God on the other side of the, the butt 
on the other side of the conjunction. Because all she knew was this God on this side of the conjunction. All she knew was dead in her sins, dread in her trespasses, time to pay the piper. Let me tell you about a God who forgives all sins. He who knew no sin, listen, became sin. That's what's happening on the cross on Good Friday. He became sin. That's why he screams, Eli, Eli, lama shabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he's taking on the sins of the world, the sins of this woman who has lived a horrible life her whole life. And I said, and he wants to forgive you tonight so that you can die in peace and enter into his presence, into his rest. Well, I want that peace, preacher. Receive Jesus. She gave her life to Christ and she died two days later. And I want you to know, she can go running through the streets proclaiming Jesus, but Jesus loves her. Jesus rescued her. And Jesus loves you. And Jesus has rescued her, rescued you. That's why Ephesians is saying this. Paul is just, as a pastor, as a spiritual father to this community says, but that is not the way you learned Christ to be darkened by sin, to be calloused in your heart, and to be living in this lascivious way that's not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. He says this, you need to put off your old self. This is what this woman is doing. She put off this woman who has been leading a prostitution rink and selling meth. She's gonna put off that person which belongs to the former manner of life on that side of the conjunction and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in the true righteousness and holiness. This is what Paul is trying to help them understand. You can be a new creation as a result of receiving this free gift from God, not because of anything you've done, but because of who he is and how he loves and how he cares. You don't have to live over here. You don't have to be worried about this anymore. You get to live in Jesus. You get to new in this new life. You lay down this life and you take up this life because of what Jesus has done. Not because you're good. Not because you've earned it. Not because you've said any special thing, but because you believe it's Jesus who did it. He paid the price. He took on sin. Not, for, not because of anything you've done, because he loves to give good gifts and he's a good God. A new self, a new life in relationship with the Father a rescue plan that has been happening ever since Genesis 3, the beginning of time, when humanity messed it all up. I told you I spent a lot of time in India. And uh, my very first trip was like 12 years ago. I was on that trip and that trip was really transformative to me, massively transformative. And so we go and, and my wife and I, we wanted to sponsor a kid. How many of you have heard about sponsoring kids, right? Maybe some of your parents have done that. Yeah, we thought like, okay, we're gonna sponsor a kid. So we meet this little girl, her name was Wasunta. And this little girl, Wasunta, I just like, oh my gosh, she's so amazing. And, and the, the, uh, the, the leader of the organization says, let me tell you this little girl's story. This little girl, she's a true orphan. Her mom and her dad abandoned her and her brother. And so she had to scrounge for scraps as a four-year-old. 
to feed herself. One of the neighbors brought her into their home and was gonna sell her on the black market after she reached age. And so they were keeping her in the home as a slave because they're so poor. You're so poor in India that you sell your children. And so, and so they were keeping this little girl to sell her eventually, but in the meanwhile, they were gonna use her as a slave so they would beat her with sticks one day and starve her. One day she was screaming and one of the neighbors came in and rescued her and brought her to the orphanage. She had only been there two weeks before I showed up. And so I said, oh, well, we wanna care for this little one. And then I was just praying about it and thinking about it, called my wife and I was like, I think God's asking us to do more. And so I went to him, I said, I think my wife and I would like to adopt her. And he said, let me pray. And he came back, he goes, I think that would be good. And so we started a process with this little four-year-old girl, little abandoned little girl. And we started paying for all her medical tests. She had to run all this test to see if she had AIDS and if she had all these diseases, come to find out she's okay. We started, we got her in school, so she started going to school. So my wife and I are paying to take care of her. Meanwhile, we hired an international adoption attorney. So I go home and we start working on how do we adopt this little girl who's been through so much. A year later, and we're Skyping with her because that, that was a thing back then, right? And so a year later, I come back and I get to spend time with her. And now we're in the full process of adopting this little girl. And she sits on my lap and we're eating chicken which is what you do in India eat a lot of chicken right right like in India you go like oh look at these chickens and you go home and you're like where's the chickens and they're like here's dinner and you're like ah right so so we're eating chicken like we're eating chicken and I get done with my chicken and I put I put the bones down and I look at her and she's eating her chicken and then all of a sudden she starts eating chicken bones and I'm like, whoa, 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 baby girl. No, no chicken bones. And like, what's happening? And she starts eating. She ate all the chicken bones. I'm like, stop. And she's getting angry at me. She grabbed the chicken bones and she ran off and she ate all the chicken bones. So I go to the guy who we're paying this family to care for her. And I'm like, what's happening? And he says this, oh, my friend, this little girl still believes she's a slave. She steals mangoes, she eats them until she throws up. She still believes she's a slave. She has not yet come to understand that she's a daughter deserving of love. And it just broke me, broke me. So I got to spend all this time, had to leave, it's so hard to leave, but don't worry, I'm coming back. We're working again through the process to adopt this little girl. We come back, you know, Skyping, you know, she's Skyping with our kids and coming back, right? Come back year two, spend time with her. She looks different. She sits on my lap. We eat, what do we eat? What do you think we ate? We ate chicken, thank you. Yeah, so we're eating chicken again, right? And she's eating, she eats all the chicken and she leaves the bones and she runs away. And I was like, and I said, what happened? Ah, this little girl stopped living like a slave and start living like a daughter. And it's changed everything. And here's the thing for you and I. So many of us are living on this side of a conjunction like slaves. When the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has rescued and ransomed you and you are now sons and daughters of the Most High God, but why are you living over here? Like slaves to sin, death and destruction. When this free gift of God was given to you, redeem you, to be known as sons and daughters of the most high God.
called into his presence, into all eternity for relationship with him forever. And I wonder if the reason why is because you've been blinded by your sin to think it's all about you and what you do as opposed to looking to Jesus, Hebrews says, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. You need to look to Jesus. Because like we've been teaching you all along, he is truth. And he's not only truth, he is love. Love exists because God exists. And what love does is it dies and resurrects into new life so that you can have life. Because we said sin demands a life and Jesus paid that price for you and for me. And that's why 2 Corinthians, Paul once again says this, if anyone is in Christ, the side of the conjunction, receiving the free gift, son and daughter of the most high God, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. New life offered in Jesus. So the question then is, what do I do then? If I'm here and I'm living in sin, what do I do? I need to confess that Jesus is Lord and I'm not. The scriptures talks about repentance. Repentance is a military term. Did you know this? Repentance means I'm walking in this direction on this side of the conjunction in this death realm. Conjunction or, or, or uh, repentance goes repentance and what they would do is stop and turn and I move to Jesus and I accept him and I receive his free gift of grace that covers a multitude of my sins. Tonight, I want to give you an opportunity to receive this Jesus, this grace, this gift. And in a moment, I'm gonna have you stand in front of your peers and say, I want Jesus. I no longer wanna be dead in my trespasses. I wanna be alive in Christ. And I believe God's been speaking to you over the last 24 hours and you know because he's been preparing your heart for this moment, I know it, I trust him. I've seen him do it for all these years that he does it in students' lives. But here's what I'd like you to do. If you've already committed your life to Jesus, I just want you to know you're good. <laughs> you don't need to stand. I know these stories help, help you connect some dots, but if you've committed your life to Jesus, I want you to know you don't have to keep doing it over and over and over and over. You're good. We'll talk about that in a second. But if you've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior in your life, if you're just living on this side over here, instead of repenting and wanting to live over here into new life in Christ, a new creation, what I'm gonna ask you to do right now is to stand. If, you've never, if you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can stand right now. Hold on. Thank you. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Remember, if you've never done this, this is for people who've never done this before. If you've done this before, you don't have to stand. Good. All right, I know this is kind of weird, so you can give me your eyes right here. You wanna hang with me for a sec, okay? Just pretend like nobody else is here, okay? Here's what I want you to know. Just because you follow Jesus and make a commitment to follow after him, it doesn't mean everything in your life goes easy, right? I just told you a bunch of my story. Right? Is my story, is it, is it got some bumps and bruises in it? Yeah, yeah. Not easy. 
So just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean like all magically everything works out. What it means is you get Jesus. And so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray a simple prayer and you can pray it along just quietly inside of your mind. So if everybody could bow your heads, if you guys could just keep standing, I promise. Just pray this with me, okay? Those of you who are standing. Jesus, I receive your free gift. You are God and I am not. I'm a sinner and you saved me. You loved me. And because of your sacrifice, I'm excited to live in all of eternity with you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, amen. amen. Now you can Guys can grab a seat. Hey, and I, I wanna talk to those of you who have committed your life to Jesus, okay? And this is a real thing. Paul's talking primarily to people who are Christians in these letters. And here's what he's saying. Stop faking it. Stop faking it. Some of you are faking. You made a commitment to follow Jesus, but let me just ask you a question. Does your life look like that? Behind closed doors, on what you do on your platforms, or whatever else, does your life look like what you, or does it just look like on this side of the conjunction? You're like, oh no, I, I received the free gift, but I like to play over here sometimes, right? No, no, no. Live as a son and a daughter. Why, do you, why are you living like a slave? You need to repent. Listen to me. You need to repent and remind yourself of the commitment that you made to follow Jesus. Please stop faking it. Please stop pretending. If you want to follow Jesus, then follow Jesus. Pick a path. But please do not play this game where you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and then you go live like everybody else. Be different. And tonight could be a wonderful night for you to repent. Repent doesn't mean I'm re-accepting Jesus. No, no, no. He does that thing. He covered your sin. You are as white as snow. You've, re you've received this free gift. You're just abusing it. Paul says it this way. Should we sin more since grace abounds? It says this. May it never be. He's like, stop it. Would you kick somebody in the teeth who gives you a free gift? Like, no, but that's what we do. Oh, thanks for the free gift, Jesus. Now I'm gonna live like everybody else. No, 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 no. Start living like people who have been redeemed. So tonight might be a night you might wanna stay back and go, I need to repent of some sins. I've been faking it and I'm all done. I may just tell you this real quick. It's not good for your soul. I, tell, I meet so many people who I call are soul sick because they're faking it. Joshua says, choose today who you'll serve. You're gonna serve the world or you're gonna serve Jesus, but pick your path. And so tonight might be a night you might need to stay back tonight and repent to your youth leader. I need help. It's okay. He loves you. He forgives you. He sees what you're doing, but he wants you to step up and ask him for forgiveness and repent of your sins. I got stuff. You think I don't got stuff? I got stuff. I'm repenting all the time. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. And so it might be a good time tonight to just repent of those sins. And for those of you 
who made a commitment to follow after Jesus, I want you to know this. The scripture says this, that all of heaven is rejoicing right now. What a beautiful thing that the Lord is doing and has done. Welcome to the family of God. And I know people talk like, like sometimes you hear stuff like this, oh, this is how they talk. I want you to know that this is real. I've been through a lot of hard stuff, and here's what I want you to know. Following Jesus is the best decision I ever made. And I'm so grateful that you made that decision and took the courage to stand up in your friends and say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Go be a light in your youth group, in your community, amongst your friends. You are a transformed person. You have new life. Could we celebrate and everybody stand and let's worship together. Amen.